How do we serve in ministry in multicultural contexts, both inside and outside our congregations? Hello and welcome to the God's Story podcast. I'm Brent Siddle, and our very special guests this time on the show are Mark Lau Branson and Juan Martinez, who've just published a second edition of their IVP America book called Churches, Cultures and Leadership a practical theology of congregations and ethnicities. Mark is the Homer L. Goddard Senior Professor of the Ministry of the Laity at Fuller Theological Seminary in the States. Juan has served as Vice President for Diversity and International Ministries, Director of the Center for the Study of Hispanic Church and Community, and Professor of Hispanic Studies and Pastoral Leadership, also at Fuller Theological Seminary. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us from the States. Hi to you both. Brent, thanks for the invitation. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Now, uh, Mark, do you want to introduce Juan for us? Well, just this friendship goes back a couple of decades when we both came to Fuller in the year 2000. And over those years, it's just a real privilege of teaching together as well as doing stuff on the road at times, both in the U.S. and Chile and elsewhere. Um, One of the challenges that Juan has faced several years ago, he had a significant brain hemorrhage, and at times that creates aphasia. For him, um, he's and and in fact, viewers will see him writing on his hand at times as he tries to trigger his neurons to remember a word. But there's also times where um, I'll simply jump in as he has asked me to 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 work with uh, that particular challenge. That's fine. Aphasia is a terrible, difficult thing. Um, so. Anyway, we can work with you, brothers. That's fine by us. Can I ask you, I mean, this is a fascinating book. There's so much much detail in this. You write that we've all been shaped in an historical context of prejudice and racism. Now, why is that, do you think? Let me let Juan get started on that one. Well, uh, the people that came from Europe, they had a lot of prejudice from, from the place where they came, and they came with that prejudice. And so they came that with that with that prejudice with churches with how they came and formed their communities and so they they came with that. Mark, do you want to add to that? Yeah, just so many. I, you know, that's right. That all these churches, um, we see the prejudice, the racism, just in the very earliest days of of Europeans coming into this country. And so the fact that we face these challenges now, we didn't we didn't create it. Um, it, it came with the society, but then we're formed inside those narratives. And that's the challenge that our churches continue to have. How do we, yes, how do we encourage church leaders to create more ethnically diverse churches? You know, there's times, why don't I go at that a couple of ways? The first one is, is when it's, when the question is about what strategy can you give me for getting people who are different from me to come show up? We generally would say that's simply the wrong question. Um, why not go to their churches? Why not be the minority in a non-white church, for example? In other words, if we're just looking for tactics to improve our own stuff, then we're not as interested in that question. But there certainly are ways that as God creates diversity around us, they enter into that. Um, you know, and Juan sees this, and you know, also even in a um, in a Latino church that he's in that has multiple cultures in a Latino environment. Juan, do you want to add to that? Yes, well, our church uh, has been in the uh, in a white church for a long time, and that white church doesn't really know what to do with us. And uh, we're a part of a denomination, and 
the the white church, if you will, has never uh, opened us opened a a door for us to be there, even though they are we are part of the denomination, and that and we have also rented from them, and we have had spaces there uh, that is uh, over twenty years ago, and that is not um, that is not open the door. Mm. So they want you there to pay rent and claim that they're doing something cross-cultural, but they still make it a very uneasy partnership. And in yeah. fact, didn't you say that you're now developing a new partnership with an African-American church? Yes, because there's no, it's clear that there is no space in that, uh, in that place with the, with the, Af- with the white people. They're the one that's, that's, uh, it's so we are now looking for another space for us. And we are now, right now, we are talking to a black church uh, because uh, we have a few black church, uh, people in our church from various parts of Latin America. And so there is more, we have, we have space for, uh, for blacks in our church. And we have, uh, we have walked with a church, with that church. In, in the midst of all the uh, hassles and the cops that killed, that killed uh, George Floyd, was it? Yes, and yes. all the others, mm-hmm. and so and some of, of that type. And they were they were uh, they were really wanting. They have wanted to space for Hispanic church in their in their because they've had a they've had a uh, they've gotten a new space for them. And so they've got this building right in the middle of Hispanic Hispanic um, neighborhood. Neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so they've got this building. They've seen that we are wanting to, uh, we want to uh, walk with them about some of these things. And so they said, "Hey, let's talk about this." Fabulous. Yeah. I wonder. Can I ask you both? How have your own stories shaped the way you think about church and ethnicity? Mark, can I start with you? How were your teenage years influenced, for example, by the civil rights movement? Yeah, a lot of these, Juan and I both write um, our own kind of cultural autobiographies in the opening section of the book. And we invite our readers to do the same thing. Because without that kind of critical reflections, it's kind of hard to know why we act or react in certain situations. Um, I had a father who was just an amazing model of cross-cultural friendships and working environments. And much of that I didn't even figure out going along, but it meant that there's diversity in our home. When I was invited into construction jobs, there was the diversity there. And then, as you say, that the civil rights movement of the 60s, I was born in 1949. So I was being raised in the midst of all this stuff showing up on TV with the civil rights era. And seeing that jarred my attention. It didn't straighten out all my thinking, but it jarred my attention. And then God has just given me amazing opportunities for friendships, relationships um, throughout the decade since. Um, And so that's just one story after another that God opened my eyes and invited me into these relationships. Mm. Juan, how about you? How has your own background formed you? Well, my parents were pastors within a community that was Hispanic. And so I saw them walk in that community and I saw them doing uh, things for that community and how they walked with farm workers, how they walked with 
people that needed help by by their uh, by the pastor, and um, and then from that I uh, I was uh, by them I was taught how to preach, how to talk with uh, with uh, Hispanic pastors, and he, he my pa- my f- father uh, showed me how to do that and showed me how to. Uh, how to pastor and how to uh, preach in that community, and from that, I end I ended up in a in the Latino Bible Institute in Hispanic in Hispanic world of Texas, because I wanted to polish my my Spanish so that I could work within the community, and there I was connected with a whole lot of people from. From uh, Latin America, and from there, I I ended up uh, with my my wife who was from from here, California, and so I I got that commu- that uh, sense of of uh, community and pastoring, and in the val- the valley here in California, I ended up pastoring uh, because my parents were here was a church that they had started and they needed a pastor. Mm-hmm. And they said, "Go for it," and that's how that's how I pastored. Yeah, you know, Lon, it's interesting how I mean, a lot of people don't know the incredible nuances of culture in South America and Central America, and all that diversity inside what is often just stereotyped as as Latino. But it also then those capacities are what I mean. You've had significant ministry in Korea, in China. Um, I mean, all of these came through the sensitivities that you developed over mm-hmm. those decades in, in the Latino communities. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I I learned how to pastor and I learned how to connect. And one of the things was when my parents were uh, pastor in, 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 in Texas, uh, they came uh, um, they came to California. And when I came to uh, to California uh, schools because I was from Texas were put, they put me in the right the the schools and the 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 cal uh, the uh, schools that that taught me how to speak speak English mm-hmm. so that uh, that got me that told me that uh, Hispanics were not well treated and so that's and then then as Mark said uh, because of what I taught what I and he taught I I get uh, from 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 Fuller the uh, supervisor of of, uh, Korean China Europe oh no uh, Japan and for things in Latin America and that was that was my my the things that I I learned can I ask you both thank you for that one wonderful story how what sort of things do we need to learn and understand when we're dealing with people from other cultures i know that's a huge question what are some of the sensitivities that you you're looking for so much what created for us this second edition is on one hand you have these societal biases racism that are just built into the society and admittedly uh, this kind of white normativity structural racism is not accepted by a lot of white people. Um, it takes more uh, critical reflection to understand that this isn't about blame. This isn't about 
telling others about their sins or errors, but it is about understanding the structures of a society. And on the other hand, it generally doesn't help in a church or a social setting to simply make those ethic, ethnic, I mean, ethical and moral categories. Instead, uh, and why Juan and I wrote more about cultures in addition to writing about race, was often the access to approach the challenges, to approach the relationships, and to approach changes in institutions, including churches, come by understanding cultural variables as much as the long-term injustices. And so that's why practical theology gives us a way to approach this, that by understanding how language, not only how language works differently, but how emotions work differently, how power structures work differently, how individualism or communitarian things. So all of these different characteristics of cultures get lost in the racism conversation. So we need both those conversations. And so our decision, part of it was by our own participation with so many friends that are dealing so articulately with race issues. Um, they were the ones as much as anybody that said, write about culture, because unless churches understand cultures, they're never going to make steps even when they want to on race. Yes, when I was an assistant pastor of our little church in, in New Zealand, uh, I was primarily working with a German or European community uh, with what we call Pākehā white New Zealanders, but a very, very significantly large, because we did mission in our neighbourhood, and this is what I want to come on and talk to you about. Uh, we had a lot of Māori and Pacifica community around our church, and we f I found it very, very quickly on the ground I needed to learn about their culture and how to communicate and what they expected um, because the, the issues came up. It was a fascinating and humbling learning experience, uh, which yeah. is very enriching and praise God for it. How, okay, we've got a pastor listening or a, a church congregation listening. How, if they're in a diverse neighborhood, how can churches or ministries reach diverse neighborhoods? What are some of the practical things they can do? Well, first of all, I, I challenge the, the question. Okay, fine. Yeah, because the the issue is how how are you going to cross the, the ethnic lines? Yep. And so when, once we have that kind of question, that that uh, that the church is not going to cross the, the bridge. The church has to learn about Maui. The church has to learn about um, Germans. The Lord has to learn about the... the the ethnic neighborhood. That's what the what the church needs to look at. Then you you cross the bridge. If you don't learn about you, and then you can't learn about the people around you, and you can't learn about how these people from a German, uh, um, how did they get to uh, to Zealand, New Zealand? Mm -hmm. uh, how how did how did uh, the uh, the white? How did they? Uh, looked at the at the Ma uh, Maui people, and how did that uh, uh, the constitution, the the ethnic society and 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 culture, how did those uh, those uh, come in in the in the, your neighborhood? And that's the question, not the question of how you're going to uh, uh, minister. It's going to be the question of how you're going to minister in that situation. Mm -hmm. Yes. Often these are, they do come to us all the time as questions of tactics and strategies. And you probably read enough of our book to see we're not really excited about that. If we really do believe that God is initiating relationships, God is initiating 
in our communities, God is initiating with our neighbors. And if we're not participating with that, no amount of tactics are going to make any significant difference. Um, but in fact, if God's working among your neighbors, the only way to participate in that is to pay attention, to do a lot more listening than strategizing. Um, as Juan says, do your own studies, do your own homework. Um, if you've done enough homework, you can actually ask some questions that do make you the learner. You know, Brent, this goes back to your comments about how humbling this often is, that until you're really ready to be the learner and actually become well-informed enough to be a good learner, so you can ask questions, um, tactics aren't the way to engage this. Yes, I don't think I was particularly thinking in terms of tactics. I was thinking more in terms of, as, as you say, finding out about the neighbourhood. Uh, yeah. yeah. how, how, well, okay, how do we go about finding about our church neighbourhoods? What can churches do? What sort of resources are available? You know, so much of this is coming alongside. On one hand, if you know there's some ethnic background for neighbors, certainly there's many ways to study, to read, to, to go to local cultural centers, things like that. But on the other hand, it really is participating enough in the community activities where you're shoulder to shoulder with people who are different and you're not there as the superior, but you're there as the co-laborer who can then simply start a conversation and listen well. Juan, do you want to add to that? No, go ahead. <laughs> Next question. Okay, how can we get alongside our neighbors? Find out about them. Find out about what, what uh, they consider uh, their culture, how, they, uh, how they, they are part of how the com community go through um, culture and society, how they, they have in the, um, in the nation. In the and, yeah. Um, into the community. Yeah, how how do they how do they uh, have a, a voice in the community, and how does your church has a why why do the why do the whites have more 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 power? Why does the the government the constitution why did why do the white power white people have more community? And there the uh, Maui they're they're there before. White people. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And that, what you're saying is is absolutely relevant in the New Zealand context. Yeah. yeah. Um. In in what ways is a church networked? Because you, I'm fascinated by this. You write about the network of relationships around our churches and communities. But I wonder in what way are our churches all networked? When you think about different organizations, I mean, for one, on one hand, there are other churches, and simply being humble learners alongside churches that are different is one way to do this. Um, but also there's other organizations, civic organizations, organizations working for justice, whether that's racial justice, economic justice, working on global warming. There's so many ways that, that our neighbors are active in the care for the common good. And coming alongside people in those are amazing ways to develop new relationships. What kind of leadership then is required to shape churches of diversity? Do you both think? Uh, I think again, that's the wrong question. Okay, because that puts us puts us in the in the power and the one you know what what when he when we ask how how can I do it? We're we're getting always. Why why can't we other um, other um, pastors? Pastors um, from from Maui, why are we not talking to them? Why are not we talking to uh, leadership within that community? Yeah, so that's one of the things Juan and I take on 
American understandings of leadership have to do with power and control, determining futures, uh, making things happen. And so we, we take on that whole framework for leadership. It may be what you want someplace else, but it certainly isn't what you want to want to have if you're seeking to pay attention to what God's doing. And so in that way, we, we flip the definition of leadership to how do you shape a learning community, the people that you're among, and help that learning community learn what it needs to learn about what God's doing. And so it really is a, a, a complete shift in what leadership means. Yeah, to what extent has our church leadership in the West been influenced by corporate leadership structures, do you think? You know, that really is it, isn't it? It's about control and, and power, determining futures, strategies to determine futures. And so it's only by walking away from that definition of leadership that we can even come close to treating our neighbors not as objects, but as subjects of treating each other as humans and and treating each other as brothers and sisters. And so it's moving away from, from modern management theory and into learning and discipleship as modes of communal life alongside others. How do we deal with our cultural differences in churches? Because that's often a big one, isn't it? Dealing with cultural differences within congregations. Yeah, give me an example of what you mean that's beyond uh, some of these initial comments. Oh, uh, I don't know, different ways different cultures perceive things. So some of the issues, some of the chapters, one and I have in the middle part of the book where we have five different areas that we see are the most challenging, like the ones that I would mentioned of, of language, power, individualism in Western culture, worldviews, how communication works, direct, indirect, hierarchy versus flatter. So all of these have different expressions in different cultures. And often we just, under white normativity, we just run roughshod over much of that. We think it's a lesser form of culture or it just isn't going to work inside our church, meaning uh, we're wanting others to come and adapt to us. So all of these variables we spend a chapter on uh, with Bible studies and how it, how it actually looks, especially in the New Testament, um, as well as some types of exercises we use in classrooms and churches simply to raise awareness of these differences. Juan, you want to add to that? No, no, he, he got it. He got it. He right. Got it bang on, did he? Well, that's great. All right. Well, that's <laughs> that's about our time, gentlemen. Thank you. I threw away the questions and just sort of went winged it as we went along. It was a great discussion. Thank you very much. So, uh, Mark Lau Branson and Juan Martinez. Uh, Mark, the Homer L. Goddard Senior Professor of the Ministry of the Laity at Fuller Theological Seminary, and one who served as Vice President for Diversity and International Ministries, Director of the Center for the Study of Hispanic Church and Community, and Professor of Hispanic Studies and Pastoral Leadership, also at Fuller Theological Seminary in the States. Gentlemen, thank you so much. The book from Intervarsity Press, IVP, uh, just in its second edition, is called Churches, Cultures and Leadership. A Practical Theology of Congregations and Ethnicities. Gentlemen, thank you both so much for your time. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. If you want to help us make more great episodes like this one, you can head over to our Patreon page and become a God Story Podcast supporter. You'll receive our undying gratitude, plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support. Just visit patreon.com slash Podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. As always, you can get in touch with us via our website, godstorypodcast.com.